Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Smash Cut, the podcast where two filmmakers discuss everything from the silver screen to the second screen and everything in between. As always, we are your hosts, Jimmy. And Alex. And today we will preview trailers for Baby Driver, Atomic Blonde, and the second trailer for The Fate of the Furious. All before we move over to our feature reviews of Kong Skull Island and the Belko Experiment. That's right. It's a doubleheader today, folks. But before any of that, we have some splaining to do because... We are delayed on our Kong Skull, Kong Skull Island review, but it's for reasons, guys. I actually had a project come up that I'm working on, and due to that scheduling conflict, we had to push this episode back, and so we're hitting this doubleheader. It's entirely my fault, but Alex was generous enough to deal with it. Look, Jimmy, when you become all big and famous, just to let you know that I'm going to be left with this rinky-dink operation. Let me say so. something. I'm already big. I'm just not famous. Big as in swole? <laughs> Folks haven't seen you. It's a rainy day in Ventura, California, and I am slightly under the weather, as it were. Oh, because there's Pun weather entirely outside. attended, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. So let me tell you about our viewing of Kong Skull Island, since we have some catching up to do here. So Alex and I, we're sitting in the theater, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty packed house, right, Alex? Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, you know, there's we're we're in the back row, which is rarely where we sit, but we're in the very top row, and there's two seats in between myself and a couple, and I, I like it that way. I don't like being shoulder to shoulder with anyone, but my partner in crime over here, and this couple comes up, sits next to me. I'm fine, you know. They're encroaching on my space. You're not bit. fine. You're not fine. Uh, I saw from the get go okay. you were squeamish. So, <laughs> let, let me say about this. The entire movie, and this is not an exaggeration, the entire movie, the wife, and then even their middle-aged couple, the wife, all she said in response to everything did not matter in what context or, or, or it, whoa, okay, whoa, okay, this is all I heard, the entire movie, whoa, okay. Much to Jesus May and my chagrin. Yeah, <laughs> dude. When I tell were... when I t- when I tell you that they unpacked an entire four course meal from her purse, that is not an exaggeration. I'm surprised she didn't have silverware. They talked at full volume, full volume, full volume the entire movie. You know, like no one else is in this theater with them. And at the end of it, they had zero, zero remorse for their uh, inconsiderations for everyone else in the theater, and. I'm not going to say that stereotypes are right, but I will tell you that this couple definitely fit the stereotype. What is the stereotype? I haven't heard said stereotype. The stereotype is <laughs> the stereotype is that some people of urban descent. Whoa, 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 <laughs> easy, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy, easy, easy. Some people of urban descent don't necessarily have inside outside voices. They have one note and it's very fucking loud. And you know, I I, I gotta tell you that that this this couple pretty much lives up to nine out of ten points on that uh stereotypical urban movie viewing. But experience. obviously this made the movie going experience better <laughs> because they were cheering and you could cheer. No, so I have uh, two <laughs> I have two questions here. Because yeah. one, I remember when we walked out of this thing and um you said that they had a pungent aroma. Well, what do, you, what do you mean they? <laughs> the, the, what do you mean the they? couple, sir? You, I need e- you to easy, stay PC. Easy, easy. You can't, easy. You can't. You can't be dropping words like they. Okay, it's a pronoun. <laughs> I can't drop a pronoun. Look, in, he in these in these uber sensitive times we live in, you cannot drop a pronoun in that context. You know this. 
it will completely be misstrewn as racism, and we can't have that. So sure. it is 2017. We are above all that. <laughs> I would like. To We're let beyond you know, all that. Donald Trump's our president. We are beyond I w- all of I that. I would have voted for Obama a third time. <laughs> I loved the movie Get Out. Yeah, no, that's definitely one of the points on the list. This couple uh, had a very pungent aroma of uh, the Mary Jane, and that's where it started. They walked up, talking full volume, sat down, unpacked their nine-course meal, silverware, smelled a weed, talked full volume, laughed, woed at every beat in the movie. But, you know, I, I have patience. It's a virtue. And uh, I, I, I bit down on my mouthpiece and, and worked my way through it in this movie. All right. Well, that was Jimmy's <laughs> movie trip from hell. Yeah. He hated it. I and loved it. And that wraps up my review for Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Um, I didn't it, even get to watch the movie. I was just too busy yeah, paying too attention busy to that. listening to this joke. I give them a one out of five. <laughs> yeah, right. Their, uh, their cinema score is three. Um, they go by letters, sir? Their cinema score is D minus. F minus? No, no, no. You can't do an F minus. You can only do an F. Right, exactly. That's why I said I D minus. You got to throw the minus in there. I feel like for some reason that's worse. Yeah, but like that's why F minus is like worse than an F, even though it's like impossible. F plus. So, F. You get an F. <coughs> All plus. right, so let's jump in to some trailer talk here in our favorite segment we like to call Trailer Park. What's wrong with this one? Oh, nothing, Tommy. It's tip top. Just I'm not sure about the color. Um, let's open up talking about a movie called Baby Driver, which is the newest film by a director that we hold dear. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. With a W. R-I-G-H-T. Not to be confused with writing. It's W-R-H-I-T-Y-I-G-H-T. Wait, where'd the H come from? I don't know. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. No, you know writing is not spelled with an H, right? Uh, Edgar Wright is spelled with an H. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I will bet you $10 right now that Edgar Wright is not spelled with a... No, it is spelled with an H. What the fuck? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, because I I was thinking the du- the H you were putting right, after man. the W. I, I blanked and I couldn't remember his name, so that's <laughs> all right. I stopped. I, I like, forgive you. No, that's right. All right, yeah, no, absolutely. Edgar Wright, Baby Driver. Now, this movie is essentially about a baby it, who's a driver. <laughs> it's not. Oh, yeah, is this a, as, as a, a boss baby? <laughs> as misleading as that title is, it's not a baby driving. It's um, it's essentially a, uh, a what would you call him? A getaway driver? Yeah, he's a getaway driver. So he's a getaway driver, he's a younger guy, um, he listens to music, and your description that Edgar Wright had given about this movie was that he basically wanted to do a musical with car chases, yes? Yeah, yeah. essentially, so the character flaw on this one is that he has the, what is that when you have the hum in the ears? Like uh, the ring? Tinnitus. Tinnitus. I, he essentially has tinnitus from a from an accident when he was mm. younger, so he uses music to drown it out, which in turn gives him the focus and the capability of being able to drive super fast and badass yeah like this kid could totally like race vin diesel he could probably beat vin diesel oh no how dare you bro do you not see vin diesel and his name is baby it's not just anyone that pops dude a, a challenger what if this wheelie. movie is a prequel to drive <laughs> i would love it so much if it's a prequel to drive you find out that his name's baby and at the end he's like i've changed it to ryan gosling it's not a ryan gosling <laughs> his name okay tell me his name in drive I, I don't know isn't his name nick no look it up in imdb why? Oh, wait. What is, what's his name? They didn't have a name. 
Oh. Yeah. He's just known as the driver. Ah, so. Because he had to drop the baby and the R from driver and just call it drive. How dare you? Anyway, you know, this trailer's interesting because I love Edgar Wright, but I feel like this movie's very outside of what, outside of the the norm of what he puts out. So, you know, Nick, you know, I'm sorry, excuse me. Edgar Wright's really good with comedy. And while I think there are comedic beats in this, movie, in this movie, it's definitely not his typical kind of comedy. And you can see the Edgar Wright touch, the quick cuts, the, you know, the inserts of, of things. But I'm curious because for, for all intents and purposes, this movie seems very serious. And I'm just curious to see how, how that's going to play out with Edgar Wright's filmmaking style. What do you think about that? See, I, I kind of, differ. like, I, I see where you're saying the more serious note. Like if anything, this, this kind of reminds me of all of, of like an Edgar Wright version of the town. You know, How so? Because it's like this whole because it's you, you have this one character like something oh because it's cars, yes because the town was all about cars. <laughs> so you have this one character that's up, uh, that you're following as he's doing a multitude of jobs underneath this whole like organized crime ring that's go- green that's going on. So it's like the transporter. No, it's like town. <laughs> oh, it oh, the town. oh, driver. It, it's called. <laughs> I am going to make a sequel for Drive and call it Driver. So is this baby driver and then driver is just driver because he's not a baby anymore in that movie? Correct, because he leveled up to Ryan. It's, it's kind of like and a the third, the, the third part's going to be senior driver? <laughs> oh, it's come gonna on. It's going to be called Meals on Wheels. I'm here, oh! I'm here. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, no, so I totally get what you say, what you're saying about the serious note, kind of something that's off, like a little bit out of his wheelhouse. But I think you watch this trailer. And wheelhouse, it's just, pun intended. Yeah, I should have said wheel man, wheel driver, or something. Um, I think this you you see this trailer though, and you totally see Edgar Wright, like with the quick cuts, with the way that he uses music to uh, optimize like these scenes. Like you know, you think of Shaun of the Dead, and you cannot think of the whole jukebox scene with Queen. They cannot now. think of zombies for sure. Yeah, zombies, Dawn of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, all all through and through, I feel like this this is really th- this is the voice of Edgar Wright, and I feel like. I feel like watching this movie, we might get full Edgar Wright. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, Edgar Wright's just very creative. And uh, I'm for sure looking forward to this. I mean, I'm, I'm always down for some Edgar Wright, man. Space. Right. You, you, you're the only other person I can talk to about space. And it's on Netflix and nobody watches it. I'm like, God damn it. Is it still? I don't think it's on there anymore. It might, it might, uh, it might not be. It's only two seasons. Just get yeah. on it, people. Space. Ten episodes? Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's, you, you wouldn't have Hot Fuzz. You definitely wouldn't have Shaun of the Dead without space. Come on, guys. Simon Pegg. So, any final thoughts on this trailer? Anything that you... uh, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested okay. because I'm always down for Edgar Wright. I'm actually I actually like the fact that this is a little bit outside his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and I, it looks it looks um, like it'd be a fun time. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Premiered at South by Southwest. People seem to be loving it there. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that is Baby Driver. So moving on, we'll talk about uh, Atomic Atomic Blonde, which also premiered at South by Southwest. Correct. And Why are we not there? God damn. I mean, it costs money, and it's far away. All right, here we go. So, Atomic Blonde, starring Charlize Theron. Uh, she's basically the female John Wick in this movie, it seems, yes? Uh, Yeah. So, so this is the second half of the uh, John Wick co-directing team for the first one. It's David Leach in this one, as opposed to Chad Stileski. Um, I'm very curious to see, because we, we saw John Wick 2, and we saw... What Chad Stileski brought to the table in directing wise, and and what and you know go listen to our John Wick review if you want to talk hear about it further. But we both agreed that it was just it was the action was really great and really on par and even 
probably better than the first one in in sense, right? That was an action movie? John Wick? No, it was a romantic drama because he loves the dog. <laughs> That's a rom-com. It was a rom-com. Between a man and his guns. They yeah. played uh, Salisbury Hill at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I agree. So I'm very curious to see what what exactly... Because now that you're seeing him separated, I'm very curious to see what David Leach brought to the whole, to the whole <sighs> crew. And, you know, you, you, watch this, you watch this restricted trailer and you can see the action in full force. In a lot of ways, it does look, it does look reminiscent of, uh, of, of the fight style of John Wick. And, you know, Charlize Theron is a badass. Like, we got her. Charlize Theron, man. She, she's really diverse. I don't think people give enough credit for her range. No, no, they don't. I mean, she was great. It, is there a bad movie with Charlize Theron? Like, Charlize Theron giving a bad performance in, in a movie. Oh, no. I was going to say a bad movie, yeah. Snow, yes. Snow White and the Huntsman. Or, I mean, uh, the Huntsman Winter's War, for sure. I mean, that movie's not bad. What are you talking about? How dare you? That movie's awful. Trapped? Uh, Reindeer Games. Uh, dark dark Places? No, nah, that movie's actually pretty good. I don't like it. You don't like it? Nah. She's not bad in it, though. No. All right. It's kind of slow. Anyway. So what were your thoughts on this trailer, though? I mean, you were... Uh, I, I like it. I mean, I'm a fan of John Wick. I'm a, I'm a fan of, the, of that filmmaking style with the, with the heavy action and the, uh, the hand-to-hand melee style combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm in for it, man. I, I think uh, it could be a fun time, very reminiscent of something like John Wick, since it's obviously half that team. What do you want this movie to bring to the table? Like, what John Wick. I want this to be a, a movie that's a different installment in that universe. That would be badass. We talked you, about that. You know it's a period piece in the 80s, right? So? Time travel? Kong Skull. <laughs> yes. Come on, man. It's gonna it's gonna be John. It's gonna be Keanu Reeves fighting an old Charlize Theron. <laughs> just beat the shit out of her. <laughs> She's all beat up still from like this movie. Well, I mean, I mean, there. realistically, why why not? Because John Wick's obviously been around for a long time. So I mean, the eighties. Yeah, mean, but that but that long. I mean, eighties. Yeah, yeah. What? 30, the, the, so thirty so, years. Yeah. So maybe they were in their twenties then, and then now they're in their fifties, like he is in John Wick. So. I, I, Charlize Theron is not in her twenties in this movie. <laughs> okay. First of all. It's a movie, so anything's possible. If you just tell me she's twenty, time movie, travel. That's it. It's not time travel. It's gonna be time. Time <laughs> travel's the answer to everything. Okay. All right. All right. It's true. You want to get your car washed? Time travel an hour back, and then you can it's your not car. dirty. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, no. Yeah. It just looks like a fun time. I, I think it's. Uh, if if you like something like John Wick, I think this movie is probably gonna be for you. And uh, that, that's pretty much what I'm expecting from. I'm really curious. I want to see what this brings. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of Charlize Theron. She's also in another movie that also has to do with driving fast cars. So it's kind of an amalgamation of the first two things we've talked about here. Atomic Blonde has something to do with driving fast cars? It has to do with guns and Charlize Theron. And then okay. Baby Driver has to do with driving fast cars. Oh, I you just get got it? it. I got it. All right. Of course, we're talking about The Fate of the Furious, the eighth installment in the Fast and Furious franchise. I personally think they should have stopped after seven, but that's just me because I'm sure they have this formula. It's down. not just you. A lot of people. Okay, well, then I'm okay. glad to know that I'm not in the minority on this, probably. But, yeah. you know, they, they definitely have tailored in this this formula of, like, fast cars, action, movie stars, and it seems to work. I'm sure it'll do well. I, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to see it, because I will. I love Dwayne. So, you know, this. so this is the second trailer. And we've talked about this. You, you've you've read some things about the runtime of this film. It's, oh. it's, in, it's in, And we've talked about this multiple times, that over a two-hour runtime already red flag but this movie is almost three hours long which is by far the longest fast and furious movie and the trailers kind of follow suit this trailer is like three minutes long and and i think both trailers have been about that you know exorbitantly long but you, you know what's funny though i've noticed that when you watch it in a theater they cut out like frames yeah. just to make it shorter yeah. and it doesn't play as well dude like i think they'll probably cut out like 
five seconds of the whole trailer and i'm just like these beats are not playing right and maybe it's because i've just seen like the online version where it's like three minutes long but every time i'm like should just held on that a little longer like what's five seconds right be? well it's funny that we complain about it being long but at the same time when they cut it out you're like nah 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 it's not, it's not right now it's just the play right <laughs> man yeah. i know yeah so if you guys don't know in this movie vin diesel is the heel essentially obviously it's for a reason i doubt that he's actually just a bad and then charlie's theron's the, basically the reason he turns bad like he's working for her which is working against uh kurt russell's mr nobody and against his team you know uh letty uh hobbs and all the returning characters, Sans, Paul Walker, R.I.P. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I appreciate the approach to the story because I do think without Paul Walker's character in the movie, you had to create a dramatized story that could carry the weight of continuing this franchise. But how, how do you feel about... Cause, and, and they're definitely doing that, that thing where they, they're scaling up the action. There's the submarine coming out of the ice, the rocks throwing torpedoes around, like they're fucking tennis balls. How do, how, do you, how do you feel about this trailer? Well, okay, so, I mean, this trailer gives me... Both these trailers in general, I feel like... And it does, it does, it's going to the long run time. I feel like they're giving a lot. Like, I, I, I feel like I've seen beat by beat how this movie's going to go. Obviously, we won't know until we actually watch the movie, but if there's not much outside of those trailers, I'll be pretty disappointed. And... You know, the stuff around it, the three-hour runtime, man, like, what is going on here? Like, never in my wildest dreams would I believe that we got three hours of of Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel just stroking each other. Bro, testosterone. You know, I I agree. I agree. And and all the red flags for this, are, I feel like, are there, like the things we talk about often. But at the same time, this is a franchise that I wouldn't have seen going past three movies. And honestly, they, they're... They, Relatively stayed inter- I'm gonna say, entertaining. I'm going to say, rewatch Tokyo Drift, man. That movie's not as bad as you remember. It's definitely I, not the worst I, in the series. I don't think Tokyo Drift's the worst in the series. Not even the bottom two. Uh, Tokyo Drift is the one that outlies, because Tokyo Drift, for me, is kind of like my eyes on John Wick. But they brought, it, is, ra- they brought it around is, and brought it's, it back. It's, it's, a, it's about the driving. It's about driftings. And I was really on the street scene back then, so... Yeah, I mean, no, I really enjoy that. That movie probably is the most real to, like, to racing... From any of the other franchises or the any other uh, installments, but like Tokyo Drift, yeah, you're telling me the one where Lucas Black drives through a construction site and through a middle of a car. That's for like- sure, that's what I mean. I mean, like the subculture of racing and drifting, like that. It, it's probably the best re- representation because if you think about it, in the other movies, other than the very very first one and the snippets that you see, like race wars and stuff, in the other ones, it's it, it's just turned into an action franchise with cars as opposed to about the street scene and how it started. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do think that Tokyo Drift is probably the the most true to like the the, the subculture of racing. Okay, fair point. I I was never into the uh, subculture of racing, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, so but what I do don't know, argue with me. <laughs> what I do know, yeah, right. is that F. Gary Gray is directing this one straight off. Would you right call me? The, yeah, right, right off the heels of uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, he's straight into the Fast and Furious. I don't, I don't. He he tends to overbloat his movies. I've noticed from what's their what's their fate. What do you think that's about? Fate. I think they needed something to rhyme with eight. You really think they got fate? <laughs> they didn't go full measure. Okay, they didn't do the full Monty and write the F eight of the Furious, so it read the fate of the Furious. Well, that's that's not true because the there's posters of them that says that say F eight. I want you to show me one fate. of these posters, sir. I've seen the hashtag F eight. No, 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 no. There's there's a poster that says F eight. Fast ten year seatbelt. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for this movie. Yeah, I, me too. I, 
as much as I don't want to be. In a lot of ways, I kind of wish they didn't return to the the same well, just like you brought up earlier. The runtime is kind of ridiculous. And, um, you know, I had a friend who I was talking about with this trailer, and he goes, honestly, I'm just watching to find out why Vin Diesel is going crazy. I'm like... Well, no, no. that, that I, And, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly that sentiment that I think they had to create for people to be willing to return to the franchise. Well, and that's what I was... Yeah, I was like... So doesn't that mean the marketing is doing its job? Like, yeah, if, I, I if, think if so. If you're still drawn to this for some reason, like, aren't aren't they winning? You know, yeah, I agree. And and you know, and I don't think it's for some reason. I think they have a formula that works. And for all intents and purposes, for me, it's kind of like I'm pot committed at this point. Like I've watched seven of your fucking movies, so I'm just gonna keep watching them until you're done. <laughs> like that's just the way I see it. Like you just you've got me for seven, so I feel like at this point I'm obligated to watch whatever installment. Okay, you the release. sunken time fallacy does not exist. You can stop Nonsense, whatever. Don't you, Jimmy? You can stop, Jimmy. I'm here for you. I okay? can't self control. I can't do it, man. I can't. You can resist anything. Except I need. Temptation. I need my fix. Um. All right. So we have two movies to review, all my right. friend. All right. So I'm I, ready. I think Let's it's time this. for us to make up our Kong Skull Island review. Let's do it. This planet doesn't belong to us. Ancient species owned this earth long before mankind. I spent 30 years trying to prove the truth. Monsters exist. You don't go into someone's house unless you're picking a fight. What you're looking at is a monster from some bygone era. It's trying to show that man is king. Alright guys, that was from the trailer for Skull Island, the newest film directed by Jordan Vogue Roberts. The film stars Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, Samuel Jackson, King John Kong. C. Riley, and King Kong himself. <laughs> a person in a mocap suit. <laughs> great cast though, great cast really. Yeah, great. great cast, yeah. So here's the plot synopsis from IMDb. A team of scientists explore an uncharted island in the Pacific venturing into the domain of the mighty Kong and must fight to escape a primitive Eden. So, Jimmy, one thing I learned after after we watched this movie <coughs> is you were quite a fan of Kong, of, like, the monster uh, from the old school. Not so, not so much Kong. I was a huge Godzilla fan growing up. I remember going to the video store and I'd pick up the, you know, a couple of VHS tapes. Of, right. You know, Godzilla, Godzilla but one versus of your favorites was, But one of your favorites was Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah, and, you know, looking back at it, it's so cheesy because King Kong's like a dude in a rubber suit as most monsters were back then. So, so Godzilla. Yeah, it looks all... Yeah, but that's like... That was like what you expected from Godzilla but like King Kong on screen. You Mothra! Know, I, I, I get it. But Rodan! I, I was a huge fan of the, the whole, you know, Destroy All Monsters universe, Monster Island, all that stuff. Godzilla was like one of my... Heroes, <laughs> and you're totally excited for that movie Rampage starring uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? Uh, yeah, that's separate though. That's that's uh, that's homosexual I, feelings. But ah, uh. <laughs> so I am excited about the monster universe. I'm excited that they're they're building this into a new monster universe. I think Marvel definitely sparked that with a lot of different people. Is is building a universe where you can keep going back to the well and creating 
uh, and creating. So, um, yeah, I was excited about this. Okay. The the movie. I'll get to the movie now. Um, the movie. It's it's good. It's good because I think they deliver it in what the movie's context should deliver in, which is you gave big monsters big action, and um, you know overall that's what you were trying to do, and I think that's what you gave us. I think King Kong's used way more in the movie than Godzilla was in the 2014 Godzilla, and uh, that's to the, the benefit of the film because obviously you come to see King Kong, you want to see King Kong, and. They they give you a good diversity of um of monsters on this island. It's definitely this prehistoric feel to it. Uh, I think you know I've heard opposite. I I, th- I think the blend of CGI and something that's so inherently CGI, the blend of CGI and practical, I feel is pretty good considering the context of this movie. I will say that for me, as as well rounded as this cast is, I mean, you're talking John Goodman, Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, mocap suit Kong. Uh, it's it's great all around. I think it's too bloated. There's too many people in this movie, and it it detracts from the characters that you could have built built better characterizations off of in the story. And while King Kong is definitely the 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 set piece, the centerpiece, I would have wanted more from the human characters in the movie. And I think you would have achieved that a little bit better if there wasn't so many people that the story is um uh, spread out through. So. You know, because in a lot of ways, you know, some of the more principal actors, they don't really do anything in the movie. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a result of um, the movie being a little overbloated. But what did you think about this movie? Uh, urban people next to me being loud aside. I mean, they loved it, right? They were like, what? I, I don't know. I'm really not sure because whoa is kind of like that ambiguous. Whoa. Well, whoa could be good. Whoa could be bad. Maybe they just saw Keanu Reeves and they wanted to announce his <laughs> catchphrase. So, first thing I want to say tangent do you know who is a cinematographer on this movie uh no i feel i feel like i, I read it and i'm not sure i can it was read. larry fong asian yes You're and he also shot your favorite movie of march of 2016 why did he why did he shoot it batman v superman donna justice he's not oh he should have shot that dvd with a gun with a machine gun no he, he shoots all of uh he shoots all of Zack snyder stuff so it's just kind of funny because one of the one of I the things- hate the fact that I asked you about this movie and somehow you worked in BVS. <laughs> <laughs> you are look, you are a POS. We times. do not need to talk about how Beauty and the Beast beat the record for BVS. Oh, well, we can talk about that later. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast slaying box office. But anyway, your thoughts yeah, on? Yeah, but it, just, it beat BVS though, so that's one more on top. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> BVS Kong Skull Island, sir. <laughs> Kong, I'm asking no. you about Kong Skull Island. Okay, so the beauty about Beauty and the, the Beast. The beauty of this beast? <laughs> the beauty of this beast. I'm here all week. That's that's the sound of nobody calling you back for this week. <laughs> My contracts. Go so I, I agree with a lot of the a lot of the points that you made. I do I do think that the set piece, the the reason you come see the summer blockbuster movie is for Kong. And on the Kong side, they completely I think they sold Kong. Like every time he's on there, and, and he's not he's not hidden in the shadows. He doesn't show up for only five minutes at the very end. Looking at you, Godzilla. Uh, he's he's in there the entire movie. So would you agree that Fong nailed Kong? Oh man, dude, this is this is comedic gold, people. You just don't know. <laughs> if you're here, love this, you. <laughs> if you're hearing this, I am being trapped. Please send help. <laughs> SOS. 
This is not our drill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And and I do agree. I think because how long is this runtime? Like an hour forty or two hours? Uh, I think it's just under two. I think it's like a, it's a like a buck fifty. So it's just under two. You have a lot of people to deal with. Um, but I think I think for that, I mean the 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 movie's obviously not interested in doing that. You know, like very early on. I was I was pretty much after you see Kong wipe out all those helicopters and like the opening thing. I was like, oh, this is what this is what the point of this movie is. This is what attracted Jordan Jordan Vogue Roberts. Like he wanted to be like, I want to make a weird monster match movie. And I think by that point he actually, he succeeded. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't really understand if if we're trying to talk macro here. We're trying to talk the the the, the way this universe is going to come together. I don't understand um, why necessarily make it a period piece. Uh, it takes it takes place uh, right after the Vietnam War, and there's, obviously there's a lot of themes uh, you it, that are very similar to like Apocalypse Now. Yeah, uh, huge inspiration for this movie. Uh, but ultimately, like because this movie's so focused on the monsters in that sense, it, thematically it doesn't really bring anything to the table. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in on that real quick to to. Attempt to answer that question with what I got from the movie. Which question? Uh, why it's a period piece. Okay. Because while I agree, I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to tie that to the Godzilla movie, which is a current time movie. Right. And this obviously take, takes place right after the Vietnam War. Your answer is time travel. It's always time travel. I think thematically, the movie, and this is something that I think was a little bit to the detriment of the movie. Thematically, the movie's trying to, trying to address... Um, many different topics and that dilutes any one top any one thematic premise that the movie is trying to present to you. I think it's a period piece partially because of that. Also there's the the technology aspect in the movie itself, which is they found Skull Island because we finally had satellite technology to see the island, which they didn't have before. So I think a big reason is that by itself, that 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 whole technology aspect was that the advancement of technology allowed us to find the island in the first place. Okay. So I think if you were to put make that a current time situation, well, that would no longer be relevant. So it's like it'd be more like, well, why haven't other people been to this island? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So th- that's that's gonna that's the pass I kind of give it is they they worked in that component. So I'm just gonna assume that that's why. But continue your thoughts. Uh yeah. So also. Uh, if we're laying into these negatives here, I think tonally it's 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 also kind of a mess. Uh, sometimes, and, and and it really it really does tie down to the themes because these thematic elements that you're trying to throw into for uh for tone or for for comedic relief, you you ultimately kind of undercut like some of the things that the that the film's trying to say, and um and and also like a lot of a lot of the the comedic elements for it just didn't work for me. Like there, there's a lot of there's a lot of uses and like awkward pregnant pauses that I just felt like kind of went on for a little too long. So a lot of the time, it kind of reminds me of when I watched Interstellar. Where I was like, the stuff in Interstellar that takes place in space is pretty solid. Anytime we're on Earth, get me out of there. Yeah, It's kind of how I felt with this one. The times we spend with Kong, pretty solid. Anytime we spend with any of the human characters, sans probably like John C. Riley or Samuel Jackson who are... Who who are great actors and I think can elevate uh, the material they're given, like a character like John C. Riley I normally wouldn't care about, or even John Goodman, you know. Um, but yeah, anytime we're around those characters, <coughs> get me out of here. I want to see more Kong Smash. Kong Smash. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and I, I think <clears throat> that that is 
heavily in reference to kind of the weak characterizations of all these characters. And that, I think that comes from the movie being overvoted. So I, I totally agree with that sentiment. So I, I, I want to get into the way this connects to the Godzilla universe or the ways, the ways that uh, we, we think that it's going to connect also on the spoilers note, it's time travel yeah right like on 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 the note of characterizations i think we there's a couple that we want to uh talk about there but that is in spo- spoiler territory so jump ahead guys because we are going to review the belco experiment after this and then we are obviously going to play a new game that we fashioned together in which uh we will compete and nominate next week's uh movie for review so jump ahead to the belco experiment review and then to the game and we'll see you there so spoilers for Kong Skull Island are going to start now. Okay, so, what uh, do you want to start with? First? Uh, you, know, you know, jumping on, on what you said about the characterizations. You know, the, the two more, we brought this up um, on the Smash Bite. The two more interesting characters in John Goodman and I think Samuel L. Jackson's character, it's kind of squandered. It's kind of squandered because you know they they basically just get knocked off in, in the movie, and it's 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 kind of a. It's kind of a fizzle when both those characters exit the story, and they, of all the characters, I think had the most interesting basis in the story. And so, to eliminate them in the story the way they were, I feel like was um, self-deprecating, to say the least. What do you What do you think? Uh, I agree. I feel like it was it was Jordan Vogue Roberts trying to uh, turn the convention on its head with with specifically Samuel Jackson and. Uh, uh, Shea Wingham's character, mm-hmm. who who both kind of have these like moments of um, of sacrifice that just get ultimately kind of undercut by you know by like either one getting thrown to the side of the wall or one getting smashed by Kong, and uh, it, it really it really lost me. Like like those are the moments I feel like were played com- for a comedic beat, and I was just ultimately like kind of thrown for a loop, and I was like, what? But not in, not in a way. Not in a way where I felt satisfied. Like, oh, that's a genre convention that we're clearly set to believe, and then it doesn't happen. What? It was more like, okay, but why didn't it happen? Like, what's the point here? Yeah, I totally agree with the under the undercutting thing. And there's just a lot of elements. Like, if you really think about it, Brie Larson, Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston's character, they don't need to be in the movie. I feel like they're only in the movie to have them get recruited by Monarch in the end that is drawing and like it's the connective tissue between all these, all these, uh, this monster universe they're building. Which if you want to expand on that, how do they even play into that? Cause again, I, I it's I the time period. It's I, I time don't know. Period. I, I, the only thing I assume is they're going to be played by different actors or I don't, you're beating the time travel thing to death here, man. Unless it's time travel, they're it, they're going to be old in in current time. Those, time travel. Those characters will be old. The other the other thing, you know, one 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 thing that I did enjoy that they implemented in this story, obviously leading up to the connective fiber between these movies, the ultimate showdown between Godzilla and Kong, is how they implemented the fact that Kong is still growing. Because I had to research this guy. I, I don't know, but Godzilla's like three hundred something feet tall, and Kong in this in this is like hundred feet tall. So the idea that he would fight Godzilla is kind of ridiculous because Godzilla would literally like step on him. So you, you, visually though, you don't think like the idea of this Kong could be the idea of Godzilla in the movie? No, because what, what, what have, again, having to research it and look right. it up, Godzilla's way bigger in, in, as far as the way they're designed, like currently is way bigger than Kong. So, but, but I do think that Godzilla and Kong are on the same side of the fence in the sense that, Kong and Godzilla are almost like protector monsters, and then like Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah are. Don't are, forget the the Mutus that were right. Like they're they're all like the villain creatures. So, um, and but ultimately, 
much like your favorite movie of all time, BVS, it's two heroes showing down, basically. Uh, I think is what they're what they're getting to with um these. So so the the next film, as far as far as I've understood it, the next film is Godzilla King of Monsters, and then the film after that is Godzilla versus Kong. So that's the route that uh, the studio is taking this story. Please, please. Um, but anyway, back to Kong Skull Island. Yeah, man, I I agree uh, that the the comedic beats implemented intentionally to subvert the conventions built. It, de- it I I don't think it came off the way it was intended. So I I definitely agree that it. Sully's moments that I think you should have just left conventional, like the deaths. Yeah, and you know there was a moment here that reminded me of um, Jurassic World. Do you remember like the babysitter death in Jurassic World? Oh yeah, the one you keep saying is like unnecessarily violent. Yeah, and I <laughs> and, and I I was I was rewatching part of this movie again, and when John Ortiz gets like taken up by like those pterodactyl things <laughs> yeah. that's just so unnecessarily violent i'm just like why <laughs> why did you do that they're like scary. and then it cuts to like the cod like call of duty aiming down the scopes thing and then he's like we can't we lost them and then it cuts <laughs> to him in the like apocalypse uh, apocalypse now like sunrise getting getting quartered to death and i'm just like why why is this happening off, off a producer the dude didn't do anything so he just carried a briefcase okay Okay, well, let, let's talk about let's talk about the the post credit scene real quick. Okay, let's get into it. So the post credit scene shows that Brie Larson's character and Tom Hiddleston's character uh, are basically like in this interrogation room, and then you find out that uh, <coughs> uh, Corey um, Hawkins, Corey Hawkins' character, and what's the Chinese actress's name? Uh, anyway, they 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 work for Monarch, and they're basically recruiting these two, and. You know, the the Tom Hilston and um Brie Larson the character think they're like in trouble when really they're being recruited and they show them these uh Corey Hawkins shows them these pictures of all these other monsters basically saying that Kong's not the only monster that exists. And so you see pictures of Godzilla and uh King Ghidorah, Rodan, you know, and um obviously if you've seen Godzilla, you know that Monarch's in that movie also. So uh, Monarch's basically the shield for this universe. If you guys watch Marvel movies, it's it's the organization I think that's going to tie all these things together. Um, now, here's a question to you about the scene. Do you think? Oh, and, and the movie ends with Godzilla's roar, which I I love because obviously I'm 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 on Godzilla's nuts. the 2014 version. Yeah, the 2014 version, which I like. But how, how did you feel that post credit scene? built the universe or do you feel like it was very reminiscent of of your favorite movie of all time again bvs where it was like an email that showed everything else and this it was just slideshows of all these other monsters so or, or, or did you feel like this worked a little better than something like that so i i didn't like this post-credit scene and here's the reason why and i think it's because it's been so publicly it's been so publicized that we're this is supposed to be an expansion to the like godzilla monsters universe that they're trying to do that i walked out of this trailer i walked out of that post-credit scene and i was like Okay, but there's nothing new brought to the table. Like what I knew coming in that this was going to be a piece of a grander Godzilla story, and you showed me, hey, this is a piece of a grander Godzilla story. Do do you now, th- do you think that's more in reference to because a lot of people don't realize that? And and that's what I was going to get to. I think I I lay in that sliver of people who are you know who who read the trades, stay up to film news, know this thing coming about. Right. Maybe maybe if I hadn't know, like you know it, it's not an Avengers moment. It's not Nick Fury walking out and being like I want to talk to you about the Avengers of like uh, the Avengers initiative and being like oh crap yeah. So that so that so in a sense, 
I kind of lay more to like the the BVS like email thing because 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 in the end it's really just pictures and it's like oh there's uh, there's Mothra there's Rodan there's the Mewtwo's and like and that's it like these are the things that you, are you, you know and I agree and again this was post having screened the movie I had I found, I went back and uh, looked for references to the to the larger universe and there are actually a few references to Godzilla in the movie itself. Because even when even when John Goodman uh, shows up in the beginning and, and trying to get funding for this project to go to the to go to Skull Island, he 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 references the nuclear bombs and he says they were trying to kill something and it's in reference to Godzilla, and then and also on top of that when they go to recruit Tom Hiddleston's character, Tom Hiddleston says you're looking for a dragon that's in reference to Godzilla too. So so there there are there are things in reference to Godzilla and the larger universe in the actual movie. It's not just the, it's not just that scene. But it, but again, I had to go back, and and like look for them. <laughs> so it well, is it is subtle, and and yes, the, the greatest connective tissue is that is that scene, right? But but I I guess that doesn't really change for me. That doesn't really change like what that scene brought. Like it's cool it's cool to always go back and like like you know watching Split, and you're being like, how did they set up that reveal? Oh, that's how they did it. Um. So so I mean that's cool to get nods here or there. But still, if you take that scene, if you take that scene completely separate from the rest of the movie, which as a post credit scene, it, it you know kind of is. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't tell me anything it tells me hey we're making a universe and i just already knew that so i was like eh. yeah i agree with that and I, and and while i'm on your page i would say that the scene's definitely more constructed for the people that don't realize that they're supposed to be in the same universe right i wanted to bring up something really quick here so you briefly mentioned the chinese actress uh tian jing yes who yes. is in this movie for no reason, she's she's also uh, one of those Ch- chinese interests in the movie this is what i was going to bring up yeah Co- partially co-produced by Tencent Films, which is a Chinese, which is a Chinese right. box office, yeah, our Chinese uh, production company, and she was also like the big uh, one of the big stars in The Great Wall, yes, that damn movie, yes, correct. So, how do you how do you feel about this? I guess you know you know legend legendary obviously partnering with with the with the Wanda Group and like clearly she's there for oh they put they placed her in the movie not for even sure. for the China and that, I mean not even for the international for specifically for the Chinese box office they put her there yeah for sure. And I just, I just like, does that seem wrong to you in a way? Like, do you feel, do you feel like conflicted at all by that or being like, oh, like we're just putting here for cultural, cultural appropriation um, because we have interest there. There's a couple of things that I will say to that. One, her characterization in the movie is very useless. So if you're going to put her in the movie, make her a part of the movie that matters. If you want me to, if you want to draw that attention to her, right? Like, cause I, cause I feel like if, if it, if it is for cultural appropriation, then if you're trying to attract the Chinese audience, then I want to see my actress be something in the movie. I don't want them to just be like a, a, a side note in the movie that's like, oh, yeah, she's in the movie, but she doesn't really matter. Okay, now, just really quickly to comment on that. Yeah. Do you remember the news when Iron Man 3 came out that the Chinese version of that movie had like a whole extra subplot, like an extra 10 minutes that dealt more with like the Chinese culture and something with like War Machine, like in this whole thing. Did you hear about this? Yeah. So, do you think maybe there's something like that with this movie? Like, do you think there's like a different cut that has her doing more stuff? Yeah, I'm I'm sure a lot of I'm sure she had more in the movie and it ended up on the cutting room floor for sure because her character, even Corey Hawkins' character, like it's just again it has to do with the movie's too bloated. So I'm sure there's a lot on the cutting room floor from everyone. So yeah, I I, I but I, you know going back to your question about about it, you know when well when the interests are heavily. Chinese and when the investors are heavily Chinese in the movie, 
am I surprised to see a Chinese actress dropped in the movie? No, not at all. Do I feel like China's making a strong push into Hollywood? Yes. And am I okay with that? To a degree. But I don't want Hollywood to be overrun by China. If And I know that sounds kind of bad. But the, the thing about that is, you know, I don't want I don't want Chinese actors and actresses to just be shoved into these movies unorganically because those are your interests. Have, like, have your uh, token Chinese. right? Like if and, and the other thing is like her acting wasn't great in the movie and her English isn't great, so it's kind of like that. That even more so draws attention to the fact that like you literally just put her there because she's Chinese and she's popular in China. You know, if you're gonna have her in the movie, write write a write write a relevant part that she can play in the fucking movie. You know, but don't yeah, don't don't. Put it on a foot. Don't put a shoe on a foot that it doesn't fit on. So, so that's that's how I felt with her character in this movie. Yeah, I uh, <coughs> I feel I feel pretty similar to that. I mean, yeah, it a lot of like I said, a lot of humans have just nothing to do. So yeah, I can't even say like, oh, she had nothing because that, that's that, that's kind of the norm from everybody here. Even though even though it's a, a really phenomenal cast, like even even you know you have two two people from uh from the straight from straight out of Compton, you got uh. Was it Thomas Mann who recently or who had worked with Jordan Vole Roberts in uh, in uh, the Kings of Summer, his previous film, and just like everybody that I saw, I was like, oh no, I recognize this person as a character actor from A, B, or C, and I was just like, oh, this is really really cool. Yeah, I agree. So that was a lot said. Would you recommend going to see Kong Skull Island? Uh, I would because if you're if you're going over there to see Kong Smash, I don't think a movie has done Kong Smash better. Um, I agree. I think if you want a, a fun movie, a fun monster movie, it delivers in all, in all aspects regarding that. But if you're looking for something outside that, maybe not the movie for you. And it's definitely a movie you should see in theaters because it's definitely a larger-than-life movie, and you need a larger-than-life screen. Hopefully, you don't get loud, obnoxious, inconsiderate people. But, Jimmy, they were larger-than-life. <laughs> they were larger-than-life, larger inconsiderate they're, people. They're, they're rea their reactions were larger-than-life, yeah. So yeah, I agree. Whoa! I would definitely say, uh, yeah, go see Kong while it's there. I think it was number two in the box office behind Beauty and the Beast because, well, that movie is pretty much destroying the box office. Beauty and the Beast. And you know, you know, reviewing the box office, I think I think it rounded out. It's Beauty and the Beast, Kong, Logan. I, then I think Get Out still number four. You know what's still in the top ten? Hidden Figures. Good for Hidden Figures. <laughs> I don't know why like that. Like, good for Hidden Figures. Good anyway, for you. good for honestly, you. Good, yeah, good, for you. Good, good, good for all of us. All right, so that is going to wrap up our review of Kong Skull Island. But don't worry, guys, it doesn't stop there because we still have to review the most recent film we viewed, The Belco Experiment. Belco is a nonprofit organization that facilitates American companies in South America. All employees, lend me your full attention. Hey, it's Jesus. Your chance of survival increases by following my orders. Your task is simply this. Kill three of your co-workers, or we will kill six others. Hey, all the lines are dead. We need to evacuate the floor. Ike, come on, it's a joke, man. Hey, listen up, everybody. Whoever's doing this, they're having a little fun at our expense. <laughs> Stage one, commence. 
Like his head exploded from the inside. What? When we start working here, they put tracers in the back of our heads. You must not remove the tag from your body. Follow our directives, or we will detonate the explosive. Begin. That was for the trailer of The Belko Experiment, the newest film directed by Greg McLean, written by James Gunn. Starring John Gallagher Jr., Tony Goldwyn, John C. McGinley, Melanie Diaz, Sean Gunn, and Michael Rooker. The plot synopsis from IMDb is... The plot synopsis. (laughs) The plot synopsis. Here is the plot synopsis from IMDb. In a twisted social experiment, 80 Americans are locked in their high-rise corporate office in Bogota, Colombia, and are and ordered by an unknown voice coming from the company's intercom system to participate in a deadly game of kill or be killed. So, Jimmy. Sup? What were your expectations going into this movie? You know, this is one of those movies where I wasn't really sure. I really, really was not sure what to expect going into this movie. And this is, uh, this is Greg McLean, yes? So... You know, I've seen Wolf Creek, both Wolf Creeks. I don't want to say I went in with low expectations. I just kind of went in with no expectations. And I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I got, I got to say, I think this movie delivers in, in the sense of horror and gore. It's definitely a gory movie. I think it delivers a strong allegory, which uh, we'll get to what I got from the movie is a very strong allegory that I really appreciate. If that was the intent again, it might not be the tent at all, but that's what I got from it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's very powerful character acting from, uh, uh, John C. McGinley specifically, you know, uh, I love John Gallagher jr. You know, 10 Cloverfield lane hush. So yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think this is a movie that if you, if you like horror, if you like horror and you like, uh, and you like original original ideas behind it, I, I think this is definitely a movie you should check out. I, I don't think you'd be disappointed with it. What, what were your thoughts on this movie? So I, th- I think what really attracted me to this movie is the high concept. You know, it's like I said, it's a social experiment. B- basically becomes like a Lord of the Flies-esque. On, you know, on the, on the uh, poster, it says it's, it's uh, Office Space meets Battle Royale. So I think that concept really drew me to it. And I think I, you know, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I think how it played out, um, I think where it ultimately decided to go, I was like, oh, okay, I could, I can, I could be on board with this. There's a lot of fun. You know, there's some gruesome killings in there. You and I always talk about like how, how tasteful for, can the gore be and still, and still be effective. Yeah. Uh, this might've gone a little too far for me on like tastefulness, but I, I still enjoyed it like watching it. Um, I think though, as, as the days have gone by and as the, um, you know, as, and as I've thought more about this movie, the movie uh, feels really hollow to me. Like it's very at surface value for me. And you you mentioned that you're going to bring up an allegory that that um that you that you pulled from it. And you know, even thinking about that, there's just certain things about it that I, I don't 100 percent agree with you on that allegory. But so so now I'm left with I'm watching this <coughs> nihilistic movie about office workers killing each other because they're being forced to by this uh, omnipotent voice. And that's really what I got from it. I was just like, it was nihilism and, and bleak, just bleak and sorrow. And while I'm not totally disagreeing with you, I mean, what, what, where does it get to the point where a high concept and a horror movie just delivering horror isn't enough? I, I, think, I think the thing about, about this is like for, for this movie, 
it, the, the situation and the high concept, it's primed for there to be a statement behind it, for there to be some, uh, some call to action or, 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 or some, some thing, some thread thread that it's trying to pull on and trying to, uh, extrapolate. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and you have a pretty interesting theory, which we'll get to in a second, but yeah, I just watching it. I was just like, I, I I'm not really getting anything from this. And yeah, so, yeah, for sure. No, I, mean, I, I want to get to I want to get to my theory about it, but uh, I think that's spoiler territory because I okay. feel like I have to talk about the end. Yeah. So, 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 to, so to summarize, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun watching it. It was after after watching it though and thinking about it, it felt like uh, it felt very shallow. What's like what, was, what's a comparable movie? What, like, what would you compare this to? Hmm. Uh, you know what I would, I would compare this to? Did you ever see the movie Operation Endgame? No, I think it was like a direct to VOD release, but it had like a phenomenal cast. I think it came out like 2010, but mm-hmm. it had like Zach Galifianakis, Jeffrey Tambor, Ellen Barkin, Bob Odenkirk, Joe Anderson, uh, it, it, uh, Ving, was it Ving, Ving Rames. There's a bunch of people in this movie. I don't, and, know, I don't know any of those actors. And <laughs> yeah, no. And, and that, that watching the Belko experiment, I was thinking heavily of that. Interesting. Interesting. So that's Operation Endgame. Okay, um, so, so people, I'm, I think, I think, I know that was kind of quick, but we need to get, I think we need to get into spoilers here because right. I, I do really want to talk about what I, what I got, what I extrapolated from this movie. Okay, w- would you recommend going to see this movie? I, I think, I think if, if if you're looking for like a turn your brain off and kind of just, and, and you're into like intense violence and gore, uh, I would say, I would say go definitely go and check this out. It didn't do too well in the box office. It placed seventh on opening weekend, which. Mm-hmm. Or on its opening weekend, which isn't exactly the greatest, and um, you know, interesting enough, I've seen uh, I've seen the clientele for like the audience for this to to be roughly um, m- you know, majority of people between like their fifties and seventies, like seniors are coming to watch this movie, kind of crazy, which is not what I would have thought well, going into this movie that this target audience would be. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no, because I, I I can see that because if you're talking about the corporate, the corporate, the corporate hub. I mean, a lot of those people are older, so maybe maybe they're maybe, maybe a lot of those people feel that way, you know? Maybe, yeah. I, I think it's just because the the violence is mm. is what throws me off because normally you don't get a crowd like that going to like a saw or a hostel, you know? Mm. And and not that it ever raises to those lengths, but yeah. it does get it does get pretty graphic, true, and pretty brutal, true. Maybe it's just cathartic for these people that work in these corporate situations. I hate my job. <laughs> yeah. Ah! yeah. Okay. Stapler. So- they, 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 they took my stapler. So guys. Uh, we're still going to play the game, jump ahead to that, but we're going to move into spoilers for the Boko experiment, and spoilers for that are going to start now. So, let me get into my my extrapolation from this movie, and maybe I'm giving it too much credit. Uh, I'll, we'll discuss it again here. So, my idea for this movie was this building. The movie opens up with, uh, you know, the, the employees coming in. The, 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 the whole thing's walled off. It's fenced off. There's these very... These very uh, militant uh, guards that are checking IDs, cars, all this kind of stuff um, going into the building. And once they get into the building, obviously there's a corporate structure at the, you know, uh, it's like it's a high rise building. And, and, you know, the boss sits on top and the employees are mid tier. And then there's the there's the security guard on the bottom. What I'm getting to is what I got from this film is that this entire movie is an allegory for the United States. That's, that's what I got from it. It's an allegory for the United States and our class structure and uh, big government. That, that's, 
essentially what I drew from it. And here, here are reasons why that support my allegory. The fence, that's pretty straightforward. That's the wall. That's the border. Um, the, the whole idea of these militant guards that are working with this omnipotent voice, as you said, is very representative of the government. I think the the tier structure within the building itself, you know, the, the, the CEO, the boss is this corporate straight edge, uh, Caucasian male with, with all the power, all the training. He's like an ex like special forces dude. So he has all the power on the bottom. You have an African-American gentleman. That's the security guard. And I think that's very representative of the class structure. And you know, the workers are kind of somewhere in the middle, like the middle class, which is kind of represented by, you know, like uh, uh, McGinley's character and uh, Johnny Gallagher Jr.'s character. So, and, you know, even the Belco, the, the Belco Industries logo, the, the business they work for, it's red, white, and blue. And I don't, I, obviously all this stuff is by design. And the other thing is there's this big board that sits in the back by their elevators that they show several times in the movie. And it says bringing the world together. And I feel like that's the idea behind America and I think that's what that is very representative of in the movie. So um, what are your thoughts on this allegory? And am I giving it too much credit? Do you like my allegory or, uh, or do you think something else? I definitely do like your allegory. I think you brought it to me right after we watched this movie. And I was like, I was, I was picking up hints on that. But when you, when you actually articulated it and laid it out, I was like, oh, that's really cool. The thing, though, that, that makes me question that, or, or at least the... At least if it was the attempt, the, the, the thing that didn't exactly make it a, a gel with me or make it a home run was uh, the ending. Because I feel like, you know, for, for a movie that's this kind of nihilistic and grim, and, for some, so, and, and if you're trying to push that allegory, then I don't think you make John Gallagher Jr. survive. You know? Like, because like, him surviving and then him taking out the people that were running this thing with those little bombs in the, in the hangar. I mean, what, what does that say for, for the, like, like if the ending is supposed to be the exclamation point <coughs> at, at what your story is trying to give thematically, what, what does that mean in sense of your, uh, your allegory that you pulled out? You know, and that's a good question. And again, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not, I'm not Greg McLean, but at the same time, I do think that's a point where, thematic premise took a backseat to the actual movie concept where it's like, Oh, we want the hero to win. That's, that's honestly what I think that is. And the other thing we talked about is Greg McLean is obviously an Australian filmmaker and the whole concept at the end after, you know, he kills all the dudes and, it, and you see in the screens that it, it you know, kind of backs up and you see that him on camera, he's it, there's, there's all these other screens that have the same exact thing going on, but he's the one that almost walks out with this, this catharsis where everyone else is going nuts. So I think you had brought it up and presented it as, it's Greg McLean's eye on the United States. Like it, it's, it's this, this is an algorithm for the United States or maybe these other screens are allegories for other countries, but it is definitely that third person view of our country. And, um, that, that's what I, that's honestly what I think it is. I, th I think, I think the ending panning out the way it was that, that was for the sense of catharsis uh, of, of the film's design, like the, the, the movie story that's being told. Right. But the overall thematic premise, I, I still think is that allegory. Yeah. I think, I think there's there, and I think I think it it is honestly because they they thematic pulled to the wayside at the end that I can't I can't a hundred percent agree with that because because I also do think there is and we've kind of you know this this trend in 
the nihilistic or like the, the the bad ending comes and goes you know like like when the when the when the villain wins like it, it, you know that in trends it'll either be like that's the cool thing or like it's not and then the hero wins and that becomes the trend so i think there is there is a satisfying there there is a very clever conclusion to where tony goldwin's character survives and ends and then i i think I think that would have been more fitting with the tone and and the message that it was trying to get across as opposed to this like satisfactory like I was the good guy you made me kill this dude now I'm going to go and kill everybody else. And I, I I think it's doing that I I'm still left with the question well like what does this all mean? Like you even I I'll agree with you the whole uh pulling back could be like Greg McLean being the third character and like this is how we view America but to what purpose? Like what are you trying to say? Are you are you just trying to are you trying to just show this and be like this is what we think, or are you trying to say we need we need to be better? Or are you trying to say, like, what is it that you're trying to say with this movie? That was my question. I, I don't I don't think he's trying to say anything. I think his thematic premise is to pose that question, okay. which, which is what are you trying to say about it? The idea is he's providing you a third eye view. So it's it's as Americans watching this movie, you can say, man, is that really? Is that really how our country is? And then it, it and therefore invokes the thought of that. So if nothing else, it's to, it, it is to get you questioning whether or not that's how things are. It's to get you thinking about the way things are. And I don't think that it has to be an overall statement. The statement is the question. Okay. Okay. If, if that's the case, I just wish there was a statement. Like, I, I wish it wouldn't have just been this... You know, because with everything that's going on right now in our in our country currently, I feel like that question is brought up. And granted, I know this this you know the script was been has been worked on since like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. They've worked on this two years ago. Like, there's no way they could have predicted that the events that have happened lately around us, you know, politically and culturally, would happen. Well, I mean, the the, the truth of the matter is, these situations have existed for many many years, long before Donald Trump was our president. So, right, just because things seem heightened now because he's in office, that's not the case. So. It's it's not inconceivable to think that this is still an allegory for that. It just seems more, it seems more pertinent now. Sure, but well, I guess here here's a, like we talked about Get Out and we talked about how like the messaging behind that movie fits really well now. Right. I feel like this is the inverse of that, where like this is a movie that's bringing the question of it, but it's like because of, because of when it came out and because of the events that have happened, we know the question. Like this question is out in the open, and people are already talking about it. So, what are you bringing to the table? I I, I don't know if I entirely agree with that because okay. if the idea is to get people thinking, then that's that's it. Because the the bottom line is, if these are problems with our country, there isn't necessarily an answer, which is why they've always been and continue to be problems. So, if the idea is to, to get people thinking about it, more cognizant of it, then I think that's mission accomplished. So, the idea isn't always to provide an answer because maybe there's not an answer. Maybe it's right. just he's saying that there's something that that's something you should, that's food for thought. It's something you should be thinking about. So it you know, and and you'd be surprised how many people are very naive to the problems in our country. So uh, I think I think if if that is the allegory, I think it's per- perfectly fine the way it was delivered. Okay. Okay. But that's just me. Yeah. That, no. No. Yeah. I mean, that's why. Like, I obviously that's how that's how you see it, and like, yeah. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. Who am I to say that you're right or wrong by that? It's it's just. It's just yeah, you know, no, no, totally, totally, just opinion. I could yeah. be totally given too much credit. It might be 100 percent what you said. A surface level smash them up. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But either way, it was it was very entertaining. Yeah, it, it was entertaining. Like I, I I won't give like some of the yeah just some of the things they they do specifically when they do the whole like they murder 60 people. Like I was like oh 
Like, I, I see that you have to, like, lower the body count because there's 80 people here and people need to die, but that was kind of fun playing the, like, operatic music in the background. Yeah. No, there's a lot of fun elements to this movie, for sure. Um, anything else you want to bring up about the Belco experiment? Uh, no, not really. If I had to summarize, the movie is tons of fun. I just wish there was something more for me personally to grasp to, to think about. Food for thought, if you will. Do you recommend, and if you do, to what capacity do you recommend? Uh, I recommend it to the genre horror fan. Like, it, like this is a Blumhouse production, specifically Blumhouse Tilt, which is their kind of more like obscure titles. But if you're, if you're into the Blumhouse brand and you're like, oh, I've been really digging these movies that they do, I would say go check it out. If you're not if you're not into the you know the gore or like these overly hyper violent films, you know what you're getting into walking into this movie. I and if you don't like it, I wouldn't watch it. So if you're into it, theater or VOD? I mean, I'm always, I'm always one to go for the th- the theater, the um the theater experience. However, I don't think you're really missing out much if you watch if you wait for this on VOD. Like this doesn't seem like one. Like even even audience reaction wise, granted, it, like it it hasn't done well enough, so I don't think you can even garner an audience that would be able to give that type of reaction. But uh, yeah, this this doesn't scream like get out to me. If, like, you if I could transplant out. that couple into this movie, I can only imagine how crazy that lady would have been going. Dude, we're we're gonna do some investigative researching, and we're going to find this couple, <coughs> and they're going to come with us to every movie and sit next to you. Uh, yeah, I totally agree, man. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree, man. I think uh, this is definitely a um, a niche market of people that would want to see this movie. But if you do want to see this movie, I do agree that I am more I lean toward theatrical uh, first as well. But uh, totally fine, VOD pick. I agree. I don't think it's a movie that that begs for the big screen. I think it's perfectly fine watching it on your TV at home. But Either so way. Would, so you would watch it in between? I'd watch it either way. I'd watch it in theater and then come home and watch it on VOD because I roll like that. That's in between, sir. Oh, I don't know. Uh, you, you, you youngins in these terms. You, you don't know. You say it at the beginning of the podcast every day, every time. Nah. From the silver screen to the second screen and everything in between. But what's in between? I'm saying the silver screen and the second screen. What's and it? you say, and everything in between. This is the in between. <laughs> Tab- this is, the, this tablets, is how you end. Tablets, cell things. phones. <laughs> I don't understand. I say it and I don't understand. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm pro uh, Belco experiment as well. So that wraps up our future view of the Belco experiment. And now we have to move into a fresh game that we have invented, concocted as it were. And we're going to call it Wait, don't tell me. So wait, don't tell me is going to work like this. We're going to play three rounds. Each round is worth a potential three points. The opposing player is going to read three clues maximum. The first clue will be year and genre. The second clue, if needed, will be top bill actor, actress. The third and final clue will be the plot synopsis from IMDb. Each clue will detract a point from the potential three. And at the end of three rounds, the person that can guess the movie and acquire the most points will win. Wait, don't tell me. So wait, don't tell me. For the very first time ever, inaugural starts now. All right, since you won our previous game, then I will read to you first, Sir Alex. Okay. 
Genre. Comedy, drama, romance. Year, 1993. Uh, next. Top build. Actor, actress. Tom Hanks. What was the genre again? Uh, rom-com drama. 93? Correct. I'm going to have to go. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to have to go next. Plot synopsis. A recently widowed man's son calls a radio talk show and an attempt to find his father a partner. Sleepless in Seattle? Final answer? Yeah. That is correct for see, one I wasn't, point. See, for some reason I was thinking... I was thinking either '92 or even earlier, and I was yeah. like, uh, "Well, I mean, he's been in so many. He was in so many movies in the like late '80s and early '90s that." Well, it's also funny because I was like, "Oh, it's definitely not you got mail." Yeah, you got but mail it is also Meg Ryan. The, their first pairing was Sleepless in Seattle. Second was You Got Mail. Yep. Very good. And Very... third was in the cut. Oh yeah. No. No. No, <laughs> that was Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, that was the one where Meg Ryan got all sexy. If you want to call it that. But Wasn't Sleepless it? in Seattle, that was correct for one point. Okay. Mine to you. Drama, mystery, thriller, released in 2005. Drama, mystery, thriller. Mm. I don't think I'm going to take it for three points, so I'm going to say next. Jodie Foster. Ooh. Drama, mystery, thriller. Jodie Foster? 2005? Mm-hmm. Contact? Ooh, incorrect, sir. What was the answer? Yeah, Contact was, what, 97? Was it that old? Yeah, it was older. This is Flight Plan. Ah. A bereaved woman and her daughter are flying home from Berlin to America. Nah, nah, yeah, because nah, nah. the, the second one down in my head that I was thinking of was Panic Room. And, and that's 2000. Yeah, two or three, and obviously would have also been wrong. So okay, yeah. So zero points for me. Firing back. Damn. Damn. Dude, Com- so- comedy. Nineteen ninety one. Oh, let me just think of the comedy. <laughs> every comedy, the comedy of the world in nineteen ninety one. I'm gonna go next. Top build, Billy Crystal. No. Be careful. I know it's just a comedy. That's hard because that's like when he was in his like prime of comedy. There's two of them that I'm thinking of right now, and there's sequels. Like one of the okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> City Slickers two: The Search for Curly's Gold. Incorrect. It was City Slickers one. Yes, it was. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Good old I was trying City to get Slickers. the years. I was like, no. I thought I thought you were gonna guess. I thought you were gonna think I was going with Meg Ryan, and you were gonna guess when Harry met Sally. No, I knew that was earlier. Plus, plus, I thought. See, this is where the genre comes in. Yeah. Because I was like, that would have been comedy romance. Yeah. God sure. damn it! This is annoying. Zero points for Alex, but he is in the lead. One zero. Okay. Damn. I should have waited. I would have gotten. Uh. Yeah. I would have got. I don't know. I still probably would have guessed Curly City Slickers too. Drama, romance, 1999. Next. Kevin Spacey. Ooh. 
I feel like I feel like I could answer this, but I don't want to get it wrong, and I only need one point to tie. Oh. 1999? Yes. American Beauty. Oh, just like that, he turned the game around. Boom. It is American Beauty. Sexually frustrated as her burned father has a midlife crisis. Love me some Kevin Spacey. Also right. in Baby Driver. Yeah. All right. Give me the last one. All right. Drama, horror, thriller, 2006. Next. Top bill, Ashley Judd. 2006? Correct. What, what, were the, what was the genre? Drama, mystery, thriller? Horror, thriller. Horror, thriller. I'm going to go with Bug. Final answer? Yes. That is correct for two points. Alex takes the lead back. Three to two. Okay, so now all you need to do is get one point to tie. Correct. Or you can go risky. Scared money don't make money, my friend. Okay. Action, adventure, family, 1999. Oh, really? You just put all genres? <laughs> That's the three genres it lists. That's the say, say them again. Action, adventure, family. Okay. 1999. Action, adventure, family. Next. Charlize Theron. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Um, oh, man. Next. A legendary 15-foot-tall mountain gorilla named Joe is taken to an animal sanctuary in California. Oh, nice. Nice. Mighty Joe Young. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's Mighty Joe Bong. Really? She's top bill, not Brendan Fraser? Brendan Fraser isn't in Mighty Joe Young. Yes, he is. No, he's not. What am I thinking of? Bill Paxton. Oh. Brendan Fraser, are you thinking of Welcome? No, Jungle to Jungle? No, that's Tim Allen. No, which is the jungle movie he did? I don't know. See what I'm saying? George of the Jungle. George of the That's Jungle. That's what it was. Okay. Also a monkey. All right. I wasn't too far off. All right. So that is a 3-3 tie. One more round, sudden death? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Sudden death. One more round. Obviously, the winner after this round wins the game. So I will read to you first. Drama, 2008. Next. Top bill, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, thank God I didn't say it. I almost said doubt. I was just going to go and say oh, doubt. Oh, nice. Winner's bone? Final answer? Yes. Incorrect. Whoa! A, dramatize, a dramatization of Lori Petty's teenage years spent in small town Iowa. The correct answer was The Poker House. I've never... Oh, my... You... Sh I've never even heard of this movie. Really? No. Oh, Okay. Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, she's like her, like her mom, and the drug, de the drug dealer rapes her. Hold on, someone's want to go like, oh, we're gonna do this. I gotta go and switch up my thing because. Why? I, I thought you. I really thought you would guess that Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, two, oh yeah, two, Jennifer Lawrence in the Poker House, the critically acclaimed the Poker House. You, I don't know. I feel like she got some acclaim for that movie. No, she, you know what she and got acclaimed for? Winter's she, Bone. Well, she did Winter's Bone right after that, so I figured you would know that movie. Sorry, comedy fantasy. Oh, see, this 2001. is <laughs> comedy fantasy 2001. Next, Chris Rock. Comedy fantasy, Chris Rock. Next, after dying before his time, an aspiring black comic gets a second shot at life by being placed in the body of a wealthy white businessman. Oh, isn't that uh, isn't that dogma? 
<laughs> no, it's not dogma. What am I thinking of? You're, he's in dogma, so that's incorrect. Dogma was in the 90s. Dogma was 99. Oh, this was down awesome. to earth. You swine. I, I thought you'd get that one. Yeah, me too. And, and now that you say it, I remember that movie. I don't know why I was picturing the two. I, I think I was picturing when he when he shows up on the... He when shows, he literally falls. When he falls, yeah. God. All right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. So do we do another round or do we declare this a tie? Let's do one more. Okay. Let's do one more. Go on again, guys. Go on again. Yeah, if it doesn't do it in this one, we'll call it a tie. How do you not know the poker house? You're so... How do you confuse dogma with down to earth? <laughs> Go for it. You go first. Okay. All right, here we go. Going again, guys. I've got action, adventure, sci-fi, 2002. You know what? I'm going to take a shot in the dark right here. Minority Report. Incorrect. Oh. If I told you Top Bill was Patrick Stewart. Star Trek Nemesis? Correct! <laughs> You totally could have just got two points for that. I thought that was going to be a... Okay. All right. Damn, I was like... Damn. I'm pretty much just going to take all three hints on this because I just want to score. So Let's see. Comedy Romance 2001. Come on, man. Next. John Cusack. Ooh. I want to say this is opposite Kate Beckinsale. I'm going to say next. A couple searched for each other years after the night they first met, fell in love, and separated, convinced that one day they'd end up together. Ooh. Kate Beckinsale? That's what you said, right? I said John Cusack. Oh, I said Kate Beckinsale. You said John Cusack. Oh man! See, I'm con I'm confusing two movies. Oh no! <laughs> I'm confusing two different things. <laughs> yeah, I had it because this is only for me to fail. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Because I'm not. This is not my answer. Because I'm, I think I'm confusing while you were sleeping and serendipity. And I know they're not like super close together, but I, I'm I'm. And oh shit. And then the the other movie I'm thinking of was Matchpoint, but I don't know when that came out. It's, it's either, and I'm pre, it's, I'm sure it's either Matchpoint or Serendipity. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Serendipity. Incorrect. It was Matchpoint. No way. Are you no, serious? No, it was Serendipity. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one point. One point. You got it. Thanks, man. Oh, that was tough. That was tough. I'm not. I'm not so educated in all the the rom coms of the late '90s, early 2000s. So, all right, here we go. So, Why is John Cusack wearing that stupid purple shirt? All right. So I win the first inaugural game of Wait, Don't Tell Me. The movie that we will be reviewing next week here on Smash Cut is none other than Deadpool's newest film himself, Life. If you don't know, if you haven't seen the trailer, it's astronauts up in space. They find the first evidence of life from Mars. It turns out to be this alien that attacks them and they can't risk letting it get back to earth because it's the organism that wiped out all the life on mars have you heard of this theory that uh this is actually like a sly prequel to uh the venom movie that was gonna come out the sony venom movie spider-man universe one no way it's it's a really dumb because basically what happened was in the trailer they used some of like um some of archive footage from spider-man 3 
uh-huh. like for a crowd scene. Yeah. And so everyone's like, oh, and then they're like, wait, this is about like a symbiose. What if that's Venom? And then he comes down at the end of... What, the- what if it is? People are into this whole universe building thing right now. I don't think so. I, I mean, no. I think, that, I think that'd be incredibly dumb. But. Yeah. I think that would absolutely sell a, uh, what could be a, a solid sci-fi film. So... Yeah, so life, uh, all star cast: Ryan Reynolds, um, Jake Gyllenhaal. So I mean, it's a. Uh, I will give you a dollar if you can name the third name on that list. There's like the girl that's on it. That's third build. I can't even picture her face if I'm being honest. Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, okay. So, so much. Sorry, Rebecca. Love you. <laughs> all right. So, but next week, life. Love until, you. You don't even know her until until I don't not personally. Until until uh, until then, be sure to rate, review us. Uh, check out our Smash Bites for the condensed versions of reviews on different films. Uh, check out our website. That's up and going. All the Smash Bites, all our episodes, all our content is on there, including some editorials that we write, articles on things we enjoy. Um, be sure to please uh, recommend us to your friends, share us, rate reviews. It really helps us make this thing better. We're still growing every time we do this. Um, Alex, if the people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at all your social media needs at Alex underscore can't underscore think, all one word. What about you, Jimmy, if they want to find you? So, j.a.white is the Instagram, and original underscore jim86 is the Twitter. And of course, you can find us both and reach us both at movie talk at smashcutpodcast.com. So, stay tuned, check out all our stuff. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, enjoy Enjoy the the show. show.